Welcome to the Biscuits and Gravy Podcast. I'm Holden Williamson here with Sam Snyder. And today we're going to be talking about uh, some NHL trades and uh, our our power rankings for college hockey uh, and the season that's coming up. So, uh, starting off, uh, Toffoli to the Devils. What, what are your thoughts? I think that Toffoli to the Devils honestly speaks more on the Flames organization than anybody else. I mean, the, he set a career high in points last season, and Calgary got a third-round pick, which is okay. But, you know, Toffoli said in an article with NHL – Dot com that he was open to signing an extension with the Flames, and this is like the second offseason in a row that the Flames have lost a key player from their franchise. First it was Goudreau, and now it's Toffoli. And honestly, I think it just speaks more about their organization than anybody else and how they don't treat their players right. Totally agreed. I think that that entire organization, I don't like being very critical of – of, of things or too overly critical, but I think it's been a dumpster fire of an organization for the past few years. And I think that there haven't been many moves that they have made right recently. So I think that their fans should look towards the ownership, look towards the GM and really say, is this working out? You know, maybe we need new owners. Maybe we need a new GM. Uh, but it's, it's really been, uh, uh, a, a big issue in my opinion. And uh, yeah, I mean, to Foley for, for 4.25 million AAV, he's, he's really, really good. For the, looks like a steal. Absolutely. I mean, he's a, he's a top six forward in basically every team in the league. Uh, I, in my opinion, uh, I, I think how he played at uh, Calgary, despite having, more or less no support uh, was was really, really impressive. And I think that, um, you know, the Devils have done a fantastic job. I think Tom Fitzgerald uh, should be a candidate for GM of the year next year with how he's done in terms of contracts this offseason. Uh, keeping Meyer under nine AAV, keeping Brat under 9 AAV, that's really impressive. And I think that um, the Devils are building something super, super special. Uh, so yeah. hopefully – I definitely I think so too. They have an extremely good young core, Hughes. And Toffoli is only 25. Brat as well on the younger side. They have an extremely young core, and I think they'll definitely be able to make a playoff run in the future. But just like you said, goes back to the Flames management because, I mean, compared to other teams in Canada, the Flames have just as much as a fan base in Calgary as almost any other team. You know, hockey is the main sport there. Same with Toronto, same with Ottawa, except the difference is that on paper, Toronto and Ottawa, their teams are just so immensely better because at the end of the day, they want to win. The Flames, you know, you can say what you want. You can say, oh, they don't have the tools. They don't have this. They don't have this. But if your players want to be there, you know, Toffoli wanted to be there. He wanted to sign a new contract. He said in that article in the interview with NHL.com, he said, hey, I want to stay here. And then there was just no contract extension talks. 
it, you know, again, it falls on your management. You, the question is really big. Do you want to win or not? Because you can't keep rebuilding for 10 years and letting all your good players go to other teams. Totally agreed. And, and I know, uh, you know, Calgary fans will bring up the point of, you know, Canadian teams are disadvantaged with, uh, with the way that, uh, uh, with the way that salaries sort of work in the NHL, considering the fact that there are higher taxes and it's slightly worse places to live uh, for, for most people. But I mean, even with that, most players would be thrilled to play for any NHL franchise. And when you have a player with the quality of Toffoli and you're not giving him a contract renewal, even when he's like really asking for it is, is ridiculous in my opinion. It really is. And going back to what you said about the, you know, Canada, Canadian teams having a slight disadvantage, um, under the U.S. teams, I mean, you don't really see the Maple Leafs having any problems. Totally. And, yeah, you see Kyle Dubas when he was there, obviously, he's in Pittsburgh now. He was able to, obviously, they're negative $13 million in debt, so take that with a grain of salt. But on paper, they have the best roster in the league, and it's not really close. They have a great core of stars. And I think the real problem here is that the Flames are in debt. They have – $213,000 in debt for cap space and nobody on their roster to show for it. I don't understand how you can be $213,000 in debt and still be the worst team in the league, in my opinion. It's really just horrible. And going back to what I said earlier about Kyle Dubas, Dubas obviously left to the Penguins um, organization from the Maple Leafs. He did a lot of good at the Maple Leafs, arguably. Uh, and then he made a blockbuster trade for Eric Carlson from the San Jose Sharks. So what do you think about that? Yeah, I think that it's a good, a very, very good player. My primary concern is that you're now making the oldest team in the league even older. So you need a bit fresher legs, you know, I I love the fact that they're going for experience. Uh, I love experienced players, um, but I, I think sometimes you can have a bit too much experiment uh, experience uh, to to a point where you know is Malkin past it? Is is Crosby slightly past it? Is you start to wonder because. The team is not performing how they, sh- how you would expect them to, based on the names in the roster. But I think that Carlson, on the other hand, is still a fantastic player. Uh, my worry is that he might see a bit of regression next year, just because of age. And that's, I, I think that's a somewhat valid concern based on what we've seen in Pittsburgh over the past. Yeah. You know, I, I, I somewhat completely agree. I think that, you know, you look on paper, Malkin, Crosby, Carlson, like this would be the best team in the league if it was five years ago. But they're really just – they're not up there anymore. And I, I'll compare them to, I guess, the Lakers um, in the NBA. You know, great team, some great stars, but – you know, a core of LeBron James and Anthony Davis isn't going to really do it. They're 
you know, still great players, but not necessarily in their prime anymore. They're all still a little bit of regression. And also I think it goes back to the fact that, you know, Kyle Dubas, he can put together great teams. But at the end of the day, you know, those teams have never been able to produce. They've never been able to get it done. You know, like I said earlier, Maple Leafs core on paper, Matthews, Tavares, Nylander, Marner, great team. On paper, best roster in the league, not even close without paying attention to their cap space. But they've just never been able to get it done. I mean, you have all these players and you're losing in what? Four games, five games to Matthew Tuchuk and the Panthers? No. For Kyle Dubas to, you know, put together a good team with all these great superstars, I really think he's got to evaluate talent better because it's easy for a general manager to just throw a check at whoever plays well last season. But if they come to your team and you're paying them well over what you should be paying them, and then you guys can't win a Stanley Cup for about the third year in a row, then I think your talent evaluation skills need to come into question. Absolutely, and I think that a lot of the team is, I think, overpaid uh, given the fact that they are regressing. So I think that Dubas is in sort of an uphill battle in that sense. He inherited a team that, you know, is is regressing. It's uh, it doesn't really have many players you can trade for much. Their prospect pool is a bit weak. You know, their everything about the team is sort of in decline and in a situation where you know you probably need four or five years to fix the whole situation. So I think that, but I think that making a trade for a player who is going to be paid a lot and, you know, would then signal a level of ambition for this upcoming year. I, I, I can, I can respect it in the ticket ticket selling sense where, okay, you know, we're going to make it, make a challenge for next year, but it, they're in a position where they really, uh, it's tough to say. I don't want to say that they should be tanking, but uh, because from a professional standpoint, they never are quote unquote tanking, right? right. But it's just at the point where you know, like really for the organization, the time is now. You don't win in the next two years, blow it up. You yeah. just blow it up. You have eleven players on your roster over the age of thirty. I mean, Jeff Carter is what thirty eight. Your youngest player is twenty four. I mean, if the time is now, you can't rely on a core of what? Noel Akiri, um, Pierre Olivier Joseph. You can't rely on a core of them. Pat Crosby's gone in the next few years. Carlson's gone. Malkin's gone. Latang's gone. And, you know, unless somehow Dubas gets Matthews and Tavares and Hughes and Zegris to come to Pittsburgh, which will not happen. Um, after their contracts are done, you know, I don't see a Stanley Cup in the Penguins' future anytime soon. Again, it's just a whole bunch of players past their primes thrown together. And, you know, that'd be great if it was Beer League, but it's not. This is the NHL, and I don't think a Stanley Cup is going to be coming to Pittsburgh anytime soon. Yeah, and I mean, it's tough. Uh, like I said before, I have a lot of respect for Duvas for walking into that situation and saying, I want to make it better. But 
it's it's one of those things where yeah it's gonna take time and yeah i would say it's time for a rebuild but i can also respect from a professional uh professional sense wanting to sell those tickets wanting to still keep interest in the city in hockey because it's a sports city uh pittsburgh you know some of the best fan bases in the u.s um uh, in basically every sport um yeah i mean best arguably best fans in american football in the past you could have argued that they had some of the best hockey fans they used to have very good baseball fans before the pirates went to to absolute crap so i think it's one of those things where it's a city that loves sports and uh you know I can understand why it's tough for Duvas to say we're going to go into a rebuild immediately because you've seen with the Pirates, for example, when some of these teams become very, very bad, they lose almost all of their ticket sales. Yeah, that that's true. And I, I, I do somewhat agree with what you said about how it's admiral to, for Kyle Dubas to come into this situation and try to, you know, help Pittsburgh win the Stanley Cup. I, I do think that the $20 million that they're paying him probably helped. But, <laughs> true. Um, I, you know, I think that, honestly, Dubas's biggest – or Pittsburgh's big, biggest concern and what I was more surprised by is that, you know, Dubas does not strike me as a very, you know, rebuilding type of general manager. You know, I'd be a little worried if I were Pittsburgh that if Crosby retires, if Malcolm retires, if Latang retires, if Carlson retires, if Carter retires, that, you know, Dubas might up and leave on that contract because to me he strikes a let's get all these superstars on a team together on one line, let's win a Stanley Cup. I don't really think he's a rebuilding type of general manager. You know, I don't think he's a you know, let's farm all these draft picks together. Let's trade everybody away that we have. Let's have a team of, you know, 18, 19-year-olds, right? I don't think Kyle Dubas is that type of manager or general manager. You saw it in Toronto. I mean, he's putting superstars together and, you know, hopes of winning a Stanley Cup. And unfortunately, you know, Austin Matthews was not able to make that happen. But I think that if Pittsburgh, you know, can't get it going this season or the next season – I think not only their franchise, their cap space, but, you know, their future is probably in a bit of danger. Totally. Yeah, I I don't think they're ever going to be in risk of moving cities. Oh, absolutely not. They have way too big of a market in Pittsburgh. Absolutely. Yeah, but I do think that there could be a risk of issues with ownership, issues with the GM, issues with – everyone at the top of the organization in the future from the fan base sort of like what's a good combat like the mets like the mets where it's i think that's you know, a great paying so much money to, to to players who are really not performing or, or regressing an absolutely great comparison. Kyle Dubas is, you know, Steve Cohen in a sense. He'll throw money at any old player who asks for it. But at the end of the day, you know, if Sidney Crosby or if Pete Alonso can't get it done, and then if, you know, Chris Letang or Daniel Vogelback, you know, can't help either, there's really nothing you can do. And 
again, got to hope they win in these next two because I don't think a 42-year-old Sidney Crosby can compete against the people in this league, unfortunately yeah. for him. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, he's yeah he's getting on the older side. and But someone who isn't getting on the older side, uh, Alex Dabrinkit. Uh, he's uh, just uh, traded from the Senators to the Red Wings. What What are your thoughts? Well, like you said, you know, not on the older side, same age as Toffoli, 25 years old. And they really, they can both play every forward position. They can play center, left wing, right wing. They can play everywhere. And I think, honestly, it's a really great deal, I guess, overall, in a sense, mainly for Debrinkit and the Red Wings, who I think have a pretty good future in store for them. And, you know, Debrinkit did want to be there. That was not really in doubt for anybody, I guess, compared in the NBA. Um, Damian Lillard, in a sense, you know, Debrinkit knew if he's going to get traded, he wants to be here. Damian Lillard said, if I want to be traded, I want to be traded to Miami. Um, Debrinkit wanted to be traded to Detroit because obviously he's from Michigan. I don't know why Dame wants to go to Miami. That's beyond me. Um, but um, so I think great deal for, I guess, both teams in a sense. You know, first round pick, fourth round pick in the 2024 for both. And I think the Red Wings will, you know, I think Debrinkit will star, again, top six forward on the Red Wings for sure. Not really close. Um, and then I think it's a good deal for Ottawa because, you know, you don't really need as good of a player as Debrinkit on a team if you're going to rebuild. I mean, they've gotten rid of a good chunk of their superstar players. You know, they traded away to Chuck uh, a few seasons ago. Or no, that was not them. Never mind. Um, One but, of the you know, Kachuk brothers. Yes, Brady Kachuk. Um, but, you know, I think that it's an overall good deal for a young and rebuilding team, and I think that Debrinkit hopefully will have as good of a season as he did, you know, on the Senators last year, 66 points, 27 goals, 39 assists um, in Detroit. And so I think overall good trade on both sides. Um, I think probably good that Debrinkit didn't want to sign a long-term contract. Obviously, he was traded from the Blackhawks that season. But, you know. Yeah, I I really, really like this move for the Red Wings. I think that with what they have, they are building something that can be a cup competitor in a few years, I think. They have a fantastic young core. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited to see uh, in, in a market that, you know, historically is is one of the best hockey markets out there, um, you know, in a state that's known for its hockey. It's, it's, it's so – it's such a perfect combo of things that can happen that – I, I think that, yeah, it's it's a fantastic trade, and I think that uh, I think that they're in a position where it'll be them, the Devils, and maybe the Sabres as well at the top of the league for the next few years. I think, yeah, spot on. Um, I think really, yeah, again, great move by the Red Wings. The rink, it really just, he's a pure goal scorer. He really is. You know, he's a sniper. He can score really as if 
You let him get space within the blue line. Chances are Puck scoring on the back of the net. Um, so I think great move. You know, they have really overall great core. Dylan Larkin, you know, his supporting cast. And I think this kind of just adds to it. They really needed a goal scorer on that team. They have really everything else well-rounded out. And I think to bring it kind of just is the cherry on top of their ice cream sundae. And like you said, I think they'll be at the top of the league in a few years because of this. And I think Ottawa will obviously not be. They'll probably be on the bottom. But they'll be on the bottom with a ton of draft picks. So True. And I think that part of part of the reason why you could tell Debrinket really didn't necessarily want to stay there for too much longer was the ownership situation. I think that playing in a situation like that, you always have that in your mind, right? Um, when am I going to get my next paycheck? Uh, because the ownership is may or may not be be there uh in in the in, uh, upcoming future and it seems like they don't want to be there you know right. that's just, yeah a reoccurring theme every trade that we've explored besides i guess the sharks ownership which the sharks ownership is really not that bad the sharks are just not a very good team um but i think really it's just been kind of a recurring theme of either bad ownership or bad decisions you know, from the Flames, bad ownership, um, even though Toffoli did want to sign there, bad ownership on the Flames part. You know, obviously we haven't seen Dubas pan out um, yet, but so far on paper, if you're looking at the ages of those players, looks like a little bit of bad ownership and signing them, especially in authorizing that Carlson trade. And then, you know, again, just poor ownership on the Senators' part. And really just not making it a place that people want to go. Obviously, we talked about it so much harder for Canadian teams to, you know, get players from the U.S. or that previously played on U.S. teams as to bring it, got traded from the Blackhawks, from the Chicago Blackhawks to their midseason and then played with the Senators. It's just so hard for them to not only adjust but to play in Canada. But it's still really not an excuse to not treat your players right. It's honestly, you should have to emphasize it even more of treating your players right, giving them that extra mile, extra little bit of stretch and leg room, um, just so that you can say them because you're at a disadvantage. Yeah, totally agreed. And even with the Flames, I, I think that even with the situations for the Flames and for the Senators, what they got in return wasn't even really that terrible. I mean, Yegor Sharangovich, he he had one season where he was pretty good. Last season, he wasn't too great, but that was on limited minutes. And they got a third rounder too, but it was kind of, yeah. I Like, I personally loved Yegor Sharangovich, but that was only because he was a character. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, and then in in the case of Debrinket, you had said it was a first and a third rounder, right? Yes, or first and a fourth, I believe. First and a fourth. I mean, that's that's one of those ones where you could also kind of justify it. I think that he's worth probably a first and a fourth. Uh, I but, think so too. But I mean, in a few years, he could be worth a heck of a lot more. So, right. I think so too. 
So to wrap up our episode one for today, we're going to give our top five college hockey power rankings for the upcoming 2023-2024 season. And just as a reminder, this is only D1, not D3 or D2 or Acho or Club. This is just D1. So I'll go first and give mine as our last segment for the day. So at five, I have St. Cloud State. Four, I have Ohio State. Three, I have Quinnipiac. Two, I have Michigan. And one, I have Minnesota. Yeah, I I have a somewhat somewhat similar uh somewhat similar top five. Three of the five teams are the same. But uh you could kind of expect that with some of these teams. Um Michigan, I have them in first. Minnesota in second. I think that the returning players for both are NHL quality. I just think that Michigan personally edges it out. Um, I have Denver in third. I think that they're a great team. They uh, they had a they had a disappointing season last year, but I think that the the history of the program uh, and the coaching can bring them back to third. Uh, I have Quinnipiac in fourth. Uh, I I really liked them last year. Uh, I think that there's going to be a slight bit of regression, but you know what? They're best when everyone's doubting them, and it's not the uh, it's not about the size of the dog in the fight. It's about the size of the fight in the dog. So, listen, I think they could make another deep run. Uh, and then I have Boston University in fifth. I think that they're a historical powerhouse. They just came off a pretty good season. Uh, and I, I like their roster, so. Yeah, I, I think I definitely agree with some of those choices. I left Denver out of my top five for the sole reason of, you know, they didn't do that well yes, last year. And really, that's my basis for this, is how did you perform last year? Like, you know, how was your recruiting? You know, who's committed, who's not? Who's on your coaching staff still? Who left, who didn't? So I, I chose to left them out of the top five, obviously still in top 10 along with a few other schools, you know, got some two Ivies in there, Harvard, Cornell. Um, but, you know, I, I, I left them out because I think that, you know, you they if they can capitalize off of that disappointing season last year and make a run to the Frozen Four, great, good for them. I'll eat my words on whatever episode we're at then, but. Uh, until then, you know, I think I'll need to see some strides. And then going off what you said um, of Quinnipiac, obviously there's going to be some regression, right? National champions, they won the Frozen Four. The only way they can go is down. They're already at the top. And although they they were very, very good last year, and like you said, they're a very underdog-esque team. They, You know, they don't have the five stars. They don't have the international commits. They've just got a ton of hungry, hungry players that just want to win. But that can only get you so far. And so I think that the big, you know, blue chip powerhouses, you know, Michigan, Ohio State, Boston, Minnesota, where commits tend to go, I think that unfortunately they will have the edge over Quinnipiac this year as they just overall they have more talent, I think. And, you know, Quinnipiac can fight as hard as they can fight and all that. But at the end of the day, I think that, you know, grit only gets you so far and you have to have some talent too. 
True. I really like their coaching, though. I think. Uh, yeah, I think out of the top five, they're the best coaching by far. Yeah, I think. Um, you know, to rebuild the program the way that they did, um, is is something that uh, that you only really see among the best coaches in any sport. You know, um, you you hardly see coaches who are able to bring it from quite literally zero to hero. Um, I can only think of three off the top of my head. Actually, no, not even three. I can only think of one off the complete top of my head. And that that one is a super obscure one that no one knows fully about yet, hopefully soon in soccer. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but you really rarely see someone bring uh, a a program as far as you've seen him bring this program. And I think that a season like last year will really help them in the future. It could be like what happened with Gonzaga in the nineties uh, in, in basketball where, you know, they, they are a mid major until one season where they have a really deep run uh, and, and in this case, they want it, not in the case of uh, Gonzaga. And they just continue to build off of that for the rest of their history. And, you know, Quinnipiac's been marketing themselves very well with hockey um, and with other things. So I think that as a school, they have what it takes to, to, to build off that run in the future. Maybe not this year. Uh, obviously, four is a very high placement, but um, maybe maybe in five years, maybe in ten years, you know, it's yeah. it's a great well, program. I love it. You know, I don't I don't think that they'll have the tools this year to make it all the way. And again, I'd love it if they made me eat my words. I was a little bit tired of seeing, you know, Denver, Minnesota, Ohio State, and Michigan the Frozen Four every year. So I'd love it if they made me my words went back to back. And obviously, like you said, Pecknold, great coach. He's got something that almost none of these other teams in the top 10 or top five have, which is NHL experience. And I really think that's why he was able to bring his boys so far. Obviously, coach for the Penguins. Um, and I think that, you know, Quinnipiac will definitely be good. And that's why, although they were out of my top five, I think in good conscience, I can't leave them out of my top 10. You know, you win a national championship with the group of guys that you did, you know, you go as far as you didn't play the way you did. They didn't just win a national championship. They dominated a national championship. And, you know, I think I couldn't in goodwill or good conscience put them out of my top 10. And I hope that, you know, they're going to win back to back and I'll put them at the one spot again next year. But as of right now, I don't think that they have the tools, the recruiting, or the roster uh, to take them into the top five right now. And, you know, we'll see. We'll yeah. see this season. Yeah, I don't think they'll win it either. I think that I, even though I have Michigan over Minnesota, I think that Minnesota will win the national championship. It's a very early prediction. I think that Michigan will be ranked higher throughout the season. And I think that they'll probably win the Big Ten. I, I think so, too. I think Michigan will win. Um, although my money is actually on Boston. I, you know, I don't know why. I just feel like they're going to get it done this year. Um, I don't think that – I think Denver will have 
arguably a worse season than last year, missed the Frozen Four again. I think that their program's demise is not necessarily coming, but I think that they're going to definitely need to do some serious shaping up if they want to contend for some more national titles. Um, And then, you know, like you said, winning the Big Ten, I think Michigan will definitely win it. You know, they tend to get those big heavy hitters, blue chip, five-star recruits. Because, you know, from a standpoint of, you know, the human ear popularity, if someone says, I'm going to Michigan, Versus if someone says, I'm going to St. Cloud State, you're going to look at them a little weird if they say, I'm going to go to St. Cloud State for hockey. Michigan just, they get all those recruits. You know, they had Jack Hughes, younger brother, Luke Hughes. They get all those recruits and they just generally perform exceptionally well, although they haven't been able to get it done in the future. Kind of like what we were talking about with the Maple Leafs. They have all the tools. They have everything that they need. This is their time to get it done. Yeah. I see them... Uh, I've I've looked at Michigan's history and and you know before recently I wasn't overly familiar with college hockey I'll be the first to admit but I've I've looked at their trophy cabinet and I'm I'm thinking to myself a program of this size hasn't won a national championship since the 90s this is this is and you look at the the players that they've had I, I'm I'm almost speechless, right? It's it's like it's it's almost a level of bottling that you have to admire in a sense where you know you're you're sitting there, you're thinking the best players from the country all want all are begging to go to your school. And you know, they're like the Alabama hockey, really. Yeah. And you just can't get it done. It's crazy. yeah. Um, and whether that needs a coaching change or something, recruiting, I guess. But they really, they've got to get it going because at the end of the day, if they can't get it going, you know, those are same recruits that are begging to go to Michigan. They're gonna start begging to go to Quinnipiac. They're gonna start begging to go to, you know, Minnesota or. Not Denver, but um, to Boston. You know they're gonna start going to other schools. If Ohio State, can, out, that yeah, that would be an even be scarier one. That would be an even scarier one uh, for absolutely Michigan. Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State. They're gonna start going to other schools if Michigan cannot start putting some hardware on their shelves. And I think that although it's a little bit skeptical if you're hearing us say it because they've been such a good hockey team, you know. There's no trophy for fourth place, plain and simple. There's no trophy for fourth place. Um, and I don't, as someone who plays sports, I'm sure you play sports too. If we had a choice between teams to go to, between one, two, three, and four, I don't think there's a single person who would be going to the fourth place team. So I think that they've just got to start winning real soon and figure it out. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those situations that to me is almost inexplicable. You know, they've, they've had some of the best coaches in college hockey history. They've had some of the best players in college hockey history and they still haven't done it since the nineties. So it's, yeah, it's, it's very tough for me because you know they they do very very well in their conference tournaments. They've won twenty. They won twenty twenty two and twenty twenty three. I think they'll win twenty twenty four as well. 
But, yeah, it's just not... Like, I, I have a friend, for example, on my school's team. He has been telling me it is his dream to go to Michigan. Right? As a, as a, as a hockey player, he's a, a talented player. I can tell you several schools are, like, begging to have him. His dream is Michigan. And I, I'm, I'm sitting here talking to him, and I go, they haven't won. They haven't won anything. Well, they've they've won, you know, conference. Big ten, yeah. But they haven't won the national championship since '98. It's like, yeah, I, I can understand. And, Which and I, I mean, I'm not putting the recruiting down. department. Really, props to their recruiting department because to still get these recruits to come to you and you haven't won a championship since 24 years ago. That's impressive. I mean, you're still getting the top recruits in the nation, and you haven't won anything. Like, obviously, Big Ten Championship, cool. You know, best division in college hockey. Take it with a grain of salt. D1 college hockey, the Big Ten is. But the Big Ten Championship isn't the national championship. Then, yeah, cool. You can beat Ohio State. You can beat Penn State. You can beat Michigan State. But at the end of the day, if you can't beat those Denver teams, those Minnesota teams, those Quinnipiac teams, then it doesn't really matter. It doesn't. because you know, there's no national championship for the Big Ten. There's not. And I think that, honestly, hot take here, but Ohio State might be getting a little bit closer than Michigan is to a national title. Totally agreed. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up today for the Biscuits and Gurvy podcast, the first episode We will see you again next week. Once again, I'm Sam Snyder with Holden Williamson. Holden Williamson. Uh, You can find us on our Twitter and our Instagram. Uh, Thank you for watching. We'll see you next week with our second episode. Bye.